Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. The power begins when we're ready to repent, ask God, search me, know my heart, show me my sin. And then as we daily lay our sins before the Lord and turn from them, our prayers will be powerful and our zeal and passion for Christ will be what all of us should be living. It's not supposed to be status quo. Fitness and wellness expert, naturopath, and adventure enthusiast, Wendy Peck. And my husband, Todd Isburner. He's a fundraising guru, men's mentor, and Bible scholar. And as a couple, we're going to share riveting breakthrough stories from our guests who've experienced the meaning of a changed life. Our hope is that you will be inspired, equipped, and entertained along your own life journey. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. everyone, and uh, welcome to another episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Todd Isburner. And I'm Wendy Pett. Hey, Wendy, uh, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you, you always ever, have a question. I, I have, have a question to have for a you. question yeah. for you because I think somehow it's going to be answered during our guest interview today. Uh-huh. So have you ever regretted uh, you know, doing or saying something or maybe not doing or not saying something? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I usually call those woulda, coulda, shoulda exactly. moments. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, seriously, God has been uh, working with me on this whole deal because um, just the other day I have I have a small regret. Um, and I noticed that it affected the way I kind of showed up the remainder of the day. And I, I wished I could have gone back, but you, you can't. So um, because of that, it really kind of changed my attitude, my perspective on things. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. so sorry about that. Sorry if I didn't show up for that day. Well, do you want to <laughs> elaborate no, on that a little no, bit? No, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's a private issue. That's just for me and God oh, to work okay. out. All yeah. right, all right, all right. Well, um, I know that I've certainly had regrets. And I'm sure most of you listening have had some sort of regret. And you're probably nodding your head yes as you're, as you're mm-hmm. uh, listening to this. But on today's episode, um, we have... A woman. She's known as the No Regrets Woman. That's an awesome title, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? <laughs> and so she's going to teach us how to build a No Regrets life. Yeah. Okay. So that's good because yeah. uh, for me, you know, at my age, uh, the clock is how ticking. Kind of. Now we're not going to say, <laughs> but I'm just feeling like the clock really ticking, and I do not want to end up someday in a rocking chair. Just okay, well, I don't want you in a, in a rocking chair. I don't want to be in a rocking chair, but you get the, you get the idea, the illustration of just sitting there yes. and thinking back on all of the things that that you regret either not doing or not having. So, I'm telling you, I'm listening up on this one. This is a podcast for me. Good. All right. Yes, and maybe it is for you too. So lean in and listen up because Rhonda Stoppy is the author of six books, and she's a speaker dedicated to helping women. Now, if you're a man listening, I'm sure this will bless your socks mm-hmm. off too. But she is. 
um, dedicated to helping women live a life of no regrets. And you can get her books and free resources. She has tons of them um, at her website called noregretswoman.com. And she even has a community called the No Regrets Community. But she has been on Focus on the Family. She's been on Family Life Today and with Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. And she hosts the No Regrets Hour. Mm. And with her over 30 years experience as a mom, a biblical coach, a pastor's wife, and grandmother of 13. Rhonda's wisdom and experience will help you discover significance in God and his specific purpose for your life. Mm-hmm. It'll help you connect biblical principles to everyday decisions. I like that. That's the practical part. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, develop a loving marriage that others dream about. Mm-hmm. How about that? Influence the next generation by raising children with integrity mm-hmm. and live a, leave a legacy of a life well-lived with no regrets. So with that said, welcome, Rhonda, to your biggest breakthrough. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Couldn't Thanks be for being here today. And we'll be even I'm better so by the end of the show. Yes. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure, certain of that. So Rhonda, I'm thinking the only way you can earn a title like the no regrets woman is that you you must have regretted something or there there may be some things as you go back and you look back on it and and you were regretting them and it it must have changed the course of your life. So I guess we're asking, you know, what what was it that prompted all of that? How did you experience that particular breakthrough of making a decision like, okay, I'm not, I'm just going to live with no regrets. Amen. Uh, no regrets, woman. I actually own the trademark of that. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> I want the t-shirt. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> funny. No, I don't. I, wait, I, don't I don't want that t-shirt. Oh no, no regrets, man. Yeah, okay, <laughs> never mind. Uh, actually, my publisher, Harvest House, hired a coach for me because I hate marketing. I write books, I mentor, I speak, but the whole like telling people you should buy this book because it'll change your life is right. not my thing. Uh-huh. I want someone else to tell them that. <laughs> I love Harvest House, by the way. Mm-hmm. I love them. Their their words are they're doctrinally sound. They don't yes. just publish. In fact, they've had some authors come to them, and they could have made a lot of money off of their books, and they've turned them away because the doctrine was not biblical. So I admire them the real greatly. Deal. Four of my six books are published published with Harvest House. Uh, so they ha- hired this marketing expert and we you know, talked about marketing and all these different things. And then he said, I need to help you come up with a brand. And he's reading all my stuff. And finally he said, you know, Rhonda, over and over again, you say, if you live like this, you'll have no regrets. If they lived like this, I'm sure they don't regret what they gave up for this. He goes, you're the no regrets woman. And I'm like, oh, I am. <laughs> A new identity. That was like 2016, I think, is when he came up with that brand. And it was it was just it resonated for several reasons. Women, men, people were stuck in regret and we think God can't use us. And we um, have that shameful thing. We hope someone would never know about us so that we can, you know, play church and go to do our thing and think if someone knew when if we really understood when we tell the story of how God broke us free from our regret, what a validation of our testimony. For me, um, I my husband is Steve, and I married. I fell in love with him when I was 14 years old. And you can oh. hear, watch our love story on my website, noregretswoman.com. I wrote a book called Real Life Romance, and it's just a compilation of amazing kind of chicken soup for the soul type thing. But it's all love stories, celebrating nice. God's providence, knitting hearts and lives together. And my the first love story is mine and Steve's. And we try to tell that story on this video. Um, neither one of us really remember when we started dating, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> we started we date now just to be sure. But I had this major crush on this guy. And when we finally got married, I knew I was going to be an amazing wife to him. I knew that I was going to be his best cheerleader. I was going to cook for him and clean for him. And I was working full time. So I was trying to do it all. And I was going to take him to bed every day of the week till the day he died. And he was lucky (laughs) to have me. And then it was in the 1980s. We've been married 40 years this October, by the way. I just turned 60. I always tell the age because as I start talking. You do not look 60. Stop it. Stop it. I I worked in San Francisco Bay Area and I would come home from work at lunchtime and my husband was in construction. And so they had rainy days and they wouldn't be working and him and his brother would be playing video games and eating peanut butter toast. And it would be (laughs) crumbs all over the counter, the peanut butter toast. And I'd wipe up the crumbs and not say anything. And pretty soon, I remember one day I walked in and I just started weeping over the peanut butter toast crumbs. And Steve comes in, he's like, (laughs) but I assigned motives to his actions. You don't care what I do. I work full time. I clean this house. I take care. And this is how you treat. Now, in his mind, he was saying, I didn't dirty a plate. I made the toast on the counter to save you from working a plate. (laughs) And it's funny now. And it seems like it's no big deal. I come from a long line of broken marriages. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was stuffing. And I knew that if I didn't find help, that I was going to regret the wife that I became. I knew I wanted my husband to want to come home to me, to want to laugh out loud with me, to want to enjoy my company. Um, but those, those little under the breath comments, the huffing and puffing, it's like, that's, I watched marriages in my family unravel just because of that. I was at a crossroads. Am I going to pull myself up by my bootstraps, bite my tongue and try harder? Or am I going to look for help? And Titus 2 calls the older women to teach the younger how to love their husbands, which means be a friend to your husband and love their children. And I was like, that's the secret. That's where I'm going to build a no regrets marriage. And so Steve was in youth ministry at the time, and we would uh, observe the kids relating to their parents and the parents relating to each other. And there were a couple of marriages that really stood out. And I went to them and just said, can we be friends? And they had kids. We didn't. We hung out. And I observed what a loving, not perfect marriage, but a genuine Hmm. love, covering with love, working through conflict, what it looked like. And these couples stepped into my life and mentored me. And I don't know why I'm getting emotional about them. (laughs) They are that much older than me. I just went to the house of a couple Um, I spoke at a pastor's wives retreat in San Luis Obispo and one of the couples, I got to stop at their house. They live in Paso Robles and I stopped in to see them. Their son recently passed away from cancer. He was in mine and Steve's youth group, but uh, she was actually the, one of the, the mentors in my life. But the point of all of that is this, I'm now watching them bury their husbands. I'm now watching them walk through the grief of things in life without regrets They were genuine and they were real and they were honest with me about their struggles and how God equipped them to walk in love and forgiveness and to repent when they needed to. And it was the real Christian life lived out in front of me that helped me learn to break free from regrets that would hold me back and Mm -hmm. to build a no regrets life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm just thinking back to, you know, we've heard a lot of breakthrough stories and we've heard what led up to the breakthrough stories. I think this is the first time I've heard about crumbs on the counter as a catalyst <laughs> for your breakthrough. But I love it because isn't, 
Isn't that what it takes? Sometimes it takes that aha moment. Like I want to be, I don't want regrets in my marriage. So good for you. That was the beginning of a pathway that's led to a whole ministry now. And, and it scared me. I mean, honestly, it scared me because, you know, we can say I'm not going to be like that person, but we're still thinking on the Bible says, think on what is good, right, honorable and praiseworthy. And that's what we become. But if we're dwelling on what we don't want to become, that is still what we become. You know, how many people were raised by alcoholic parents? I will not be an alcoholic like my father, but they're dwelling on what they don't want to be. And they end up becoming that very thing that they despise. So breaking free. I mean, and, and I have some other break free stories. That was just, I was young. I was 20 and I was just like, okay, those women have the secret that I need. And that's really why I write the books that I write. Uh, Moms Raising Sons to be Men, The Marriage Mentor, If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy, and Other Myths Wives Believe. It's just one older woman speaking biblical principles into anybody's life that wants to say, I don't want to have regrets. I want to build a life without regrets. And who taught us that? Jesus. You build your life on the sand or you build your life on the rock. And if you build your life on the sand, the storms are going to come and you will have regrets. So that's my message and that's my passion. That's so true, Rhonda. And a couple of things uh, hit me here that um, the crumbs start to pile up in life if you you don't acknowledge them and or the dust that collects and you sweep it under the rug. Pretty soon you're going to trip over that rug. You know, those those crumbs, quote unquote, uh, became so... um, just a big pile that you just couldn't take it anymore. And, and I think about the people, uh, someone that's listening right now that may be experiencing that own their own pile of, of junk and, and they have regrets. What, what's the first thing that you would tell them to do in order to sweep away and, and actually clear, <laughs> clear things out so that they can hear from God and have a healed whole heart. What's the first step? And I would tell your listeners, and some people are going, it was just crumbs. My husband's addicted to porn. Like, seriously, it's crumbs. And that's what you're upset about. Unmet expectations is the number one thing that unravels the the unity and love in a marriage relationship. One of the stories that I tell is, um, one of the love stories is um, Chuck and Angie. Chuck and Angie got married. They were virgins when they got married. They were serving the Lord. And she realized he didn't want her in the marriage bed. And she found something on the computer and realized he was addicted to pornography. He had thought fully well that he was going to be able to put it away once he got married. But anybody who knows what we feed our flesh, our flesh craves. So he was ashamed and doing it in secret. She confronted him. He cried, promised not to do it again, but he did. And she began to resent him. And she said it wasn't until she realized that her sin of resenting her husband was just as ugly and just as addictive as his pornography addiction, Mm. that she repented, got godly mentors in her life and in his life that had walked through this struggle. And she said, once I repented of my sin toward my husband, now I could pray powerfully for God to change him. Right. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous one accomplishes much. Yes, we're righteous if we've surrendered our heart to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but uh, unrepentant sin, resentment, anxiety, fear, stuck in our own self, beating ourselves up because we didn't measure up to our own expectations, all of that renders our prayers powerless. And if we're going to be Moses on a mountaintop interceding for this next generation, for our marriage, for what God will do in our own lives, 
the power begins when we're ready to repent, ask God, search me, know my heart, show me my sin. And then as we daily lay our sins before the Lord and turn from them, our prayers will be powerful and our zeal and passion for Christ will be what all of us should be living. It's not supposed to be status quo. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I used to speak at, um, I spoke at a woman's conference and it was all about my own resentment turned contentment. And so I, I'm, I'm hearing you, this was years ago in my life, but I think about the power of what you're saying regarding having those uh, godly mentors around you to pull you out of the pit, because sometimes you're so far in the pit and you've got blinders, you don't even realize mm-hmm. that you are in a state of resentment, which I didn't realize it. And so mm-hmm. some people need to have like a... Um, an evaluation of, of where they are and have someone really speak truth into their life. And so with that said, what's kind of, how, how would you instruct someone to go and find that mentor, go and get that help that um, they really do deserve to have? It's interesting because I speak a lot and I, and I hear women say, I don't have any godly mentors in my life. And there's a lot of women that are my age that didn't do it right. They're divorced. They're son is a prodigal, their daughter doesn't speak to them. And they think I don't have anything to offer. God used Bathsheba to be the mom of Solomon. After she and David sinned, David sent her husband to death. She kept her mouth shut. And for over a year, they pretended like everything was okay until Nathan confronted them on their sin. And then when they repented, David went in and that is the child that God brought up to be the next king of Israel. When God saves, when he forgives, he forgives to the utmost. So having the understanding of what people need is people in their lives. I remember I just wanted to be friends with them. You know, if you're saying like, oh, you just meet with me and have coffee and we'll talk about being mentored. uh, You can do that. And I Honestly, when people ask me to mentor them for marriage, I'm like, okay, here's a copy of if my husband would change, I'd be happy. You read a chapter and we'll talk every week after you've read the chapter. So you assign them, do the hard work. Don't just come blast me about how much you don't like your marriage or how much you don't like your life and me pray for you and you go home and I bought you a cup of coffee and we're going to do it again next week. That's wasted time. If you're looking for a mentor, if you're not part of a local church, you got to start there. I mean, the Bible says that Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as such is the habit of some. And all the more as we see the day approaching. And guess what? I see the day approaching. Mm. Yeah. Don't we? Don't we though? But church is where we're supposed to bump up against each other. Iron sharpens iron. If I'm just living in my own little bubble and watching church on online, which a lot of us did for 2020, I'm pretty good. It's when I get bumped that what comes out of me reveals my heart out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. So when I'm living in community with other people, my spouse, people at church, you are going to get offended and you're going to offend. But that's the rub that the sparks fly when iron's rubbing against iron that sharpens us for our ministry and for whatever God's calling us to. So look for people that walk in the joy of the Lord, people that are zealous to tell people about Christ, people that um, have not lived perfect lives, but are willing to say, this is where my my breakthrough came. And this is what God did in my life. I just spoke at a pastor's wife's conference. Pastor's wives are expected to be perfect, or at least to pretend that they are. They put that on themselves. You train your congregation how to treat you. And if you're real and you say, this is my stuff, you can pray for me because I'm struggling. I mean, I've said, hey, I'm not going to come teach Bible study today because I'm wrestling with a sin that I need to get right. So will you fill in for me? And it's okay that the ladies know that. I want them to know I'm wrestling with something and this is where I'm at today. 
but inviting those people in your life, be friends with them, watch how they treat their spouse. What does it look like to respect your husband in a way that shows him love? What is it like when that teenager is in a rebellious relationship with their parent? How is that mom handling it? Their heart is broken, but how are they handling it? And what can I learn? So it's really about friendship. Mm. You know, it sounds like your your motive for what you do in your ministry, uh, you know, has come from your intimacy with the Lord. You had, you know, you share biblical principles. You're a pastor's wife. I'm sure there are lots of expectations on you to have it all right and to be perfect and everything. But the reality is, you have a God perspective on things. And so, how how did that all start? What was the the beginning points or the breakthrough in your own faith journey? Well, there's so many, so many of those. <laughs> Uh, beginning with those women that I invited to mentor me, they invited me to a Bible study and it was a precept study. It was five hours of homework a week. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I went to Christian schools. I know all the Bible verses. I need to be a better wife. I need to be a better mom. I don't need another Bible study. And they're like, just come. And it was the book of Philippians and a woman named Gail. She said, I'll help you watch your kids. I'll do whatever I need to do. Just do this one study with us. And I began to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. The word is quick and powerful and sharper than a sword. And it does show the thoughts and intents of our own hearts. So I can't blame all y'all because it's not your fault. In fact, uh, Psalm 119, 165, I think it is, says, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. So when I'm walking in offense, I'm not loving the word of God enough. It doesn't mean people won't be offensive. They will. But if I can't lay that offense at the foot of the cross, if I'm stuck there, I will have regrets. Steve and I, when we were um, flipping houses in the Bay Area, and we lived in them while we flipped them because it was super expensive. This was back in the 80s. And people thought we were crazy. We would have a show now. But back then, people thought we were nuts. There was no show. (laughs) The HGTV. (laughs) Yes. And then we ended up, uh, my husband wanted to be debt-free and live in the country. I'm like, yeah, baby, whatever. I'm running the credit cards, having a good old time. And then the housing prices in the San Francisco Bay Area went sky high. Steve said, now's the time. We're selling. We're getting out. I'm like, okay. So we put our house on the market and he found this little house on a mountain about an hour and 20 minutes up outside of San Jose. And it was an 80 acre ranch. It was dirt cheap. And it was this little one bedroom house covered with snow the day we saw it. And I knew I had Steve's dream in the palm of my hand. I did not. I was born in Los Angeles. I did not want to live in the country, but I also knew I was going to trust his dream. So I said, yes, we signed on the dotted line. We went back to look at the house after the snow had melted and we bought a shack. It was horrible. (laughs) It was just plywood. The snow had frosting on it. So it looked really cute. Uh We lived on a generator for two and a half years. I slept on a sofa bed with Steve. The kids had the only bedroom in the house and he went to work from five in the morning to seven at night. And I was home with the kids. I got pregnant because we didn't have power at night. So you didn't watch TV till late (laughs) into the night. We weren't tired. And I did the entire pregnancy on a sofa bed. And boy, did I start to resent what was going on that I, I would tell Steve, please let me go to work. You st- I'm living your dream. Let me go to work and you take care of the kids and this ranch and I'll go. And he's like, you can't make enough money. I'm let me try. <laughs> I had postpartum after Kayla was born. I mean, it was rough. And, it, and then I was left with really bad PMS. It was a very regretful time in our marriage. And I kept it to myself. I was ashamed of even the postpartum. I was ashamed of the hormonal imbalances. I couldn't figure out. And I remember Steve saying, how can I help you? I've known you since you were 14. You're not you anymore. And I don't know what to do for you. And I said, he said, what is it like? I said, imagine if you were a werewolf 
And every 28 <laughs> days, you were going to turn into a werewolf when the moon was full and you were going to eat your young or whoever was near you, you would not stop. And the only hope you had is someone would lock you in a cage to spare the people that you care for. That's PMS. And Steve's like, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> but the truth is that was a, a very painful time in our lives. And I remember being I come from a long line of women that have hormonal imbalances and they self-medicated alcohol, prescription drugs. Uh, I never had it. So I always just blamed them for being out of control. And now I had it and it humbled me and it made me um, ashamed and it made me withdraw from anyone in my life because I didn't know how I was going to respond on any given day. And it was a four year season of being pretty alone. And I would be in my room with my Bible in my lap fighting it like a spiritual battle, praying, asking the Lord, take it away. And I remember just feeling completely hopeless. And then we moved to Texas. We planted a church in Austin, Texas. And while we were there, I couldn't hide anymore. I wasn't on an 80 acre ranch behind a locked gate. And my husband's like, you need help. And I'm like, I do. I wanted to be offended, but I knew he was right. And I finally went to the doctor. I went to an endocrinologist to get help. And I needed somebody, a brain doctor to tell me, you got brain damage. Your hormonal imbalances are affecting the way that you react to life. And that was a season where I didn't just need a mentor. I needed a professional. I needed somebody to help me with that. And I, it's, it's interesting because I meet so many women that have that hormonal imbalance struggle and you're a wellness expert. So I know Wendy that you understand, and I didn't understand back then, you know, the hormones in our food, the sugar that we eat affects our vitamin B levels. I just didn't know anything. I just knew I was a wreck. So all of that to say, we had a difficult season and another man would have left. I was not, I didn't rant and rave because I had seen that growing up. I knew the only fruit of the spirit hanging on my vine was self-control. Just keep your mouth shut, Rhonda. So then I was withdrawing even more as I was keeping my mouth shut. It was a difficult season, but God brought me through that to equip me to minister to women who go through that. Because I would be saying, just pray more. It's a spiritual battle. Just take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and try harder. God humbled me. And brought me to a place where I could then be a mentor in a new way. So sometimes we think we don't have anything to offer because we didn't do things right. But I speak more powerfully from my mistakes, from my failures than I do from my successes, right? Oh, 100%, Rhonda. I think that is something that someone needs to hear right now that's listening because they feel like they're damaged goods and that they they don't have um, a message or any way to help somebody. And so, yeah, you are not damaged goods. Your story can help somebody else through theirs. And so with with you saying this right now and and you being the the having your werewolf moments, um, you know, was this the time... Uh, because I know that there, in your in your notes, you talk about that there was a time when you almost walked away from your faith. Was this it or was this another time? Okay. Well, see, God refines us, right? So there's oh, always yeah, pruning, you get a little breather all the time. and something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yep. we had moved to Texas and um, we had planted a church in Austin and we uh, were having teenagers come to our house. We had 200 teenagers in our house every wow. Wednesday night and they were coming to Jesus. Really? It was amazing. It was fantastic. <laughs> It was the Bible belt. Everybody has a granddaddy that's a Baptist preacher, but they (laughs) didn't know Jesus. And these kids became wholeheartedly devoted to Christ. So while that was going on, when my son was six years old, he had a severe 28 minute seizure. I called 911. The police came, the helicopter came, the EMTs came, the boy was still having a seizure. Mm. And then he was blue afterwards and he wasn't breathing. And they did a sternum rub and he finally breathed. They went to the hospital, ran tests on him, 
thought he might have brain damage because of how long he sees, but he didn't praise the Lord. And this is a fun part of the story. They put little EEG things on his head to test him. And they, I went over and kissed his temple while he was sleeping. And they wrote on the paper, on the readout, mom's kiss. And she said, they know you kiss them when they're sleeping. I cry every time I tell that story. Isn't that the sweetest? They know. It said mom's kiss. Yeah, I have that in my hope chest where I kissed him. But Brandon, they said he had severe uh, seizure activity, had epilepsy. And his seizures began and they were terrible and they, and they were one right after the other. And they had to medicate him so strongly that he was stoned. And when the, when the school administrator used the word special ed about my bright articulate little boy, it just pierced my heart. He didn't want to play sports. I was coaching cheerleading at that time. And he, you know, I was expecting my son to grow up and play football and, you know, run one down the field, hit one out of the park. I wanted to hear the crowd glory in my son's accomplishment as an athlete and Brandon didn't want to do any of that. He played Legos and he picked up a guitar and he started playing a guitar. And we had band practice in our house every Wednesday night after youth group for our church. And he would sit behind the different musicians and he would learn to play. And one day at a severe seizure and I went in my room and I just wept before the Lord. And I'm like, I quit. I'm done. I mm-hmm. we're doing all this to serve you and you cannot heal my son. I'm done. Mm-hmm. But Psalm 119 says, if we hide his word in our heart, we won't sin against him. And in the stillness and quietness of my heart, I heard not audibly, but as loud as it could be to my heart and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I knew that was the Lord impressing that on my heart. And I said, no, I can't. There's nothing good that can come of this, but God slow. I said, I'll change my, I'll say I'm thankful, but you change my heart. Slowly. We began to observe Brandon becoming a musician. And every instrument that he could pick up, he could play. Brandon, uh, my husband said, I've never met someone who thinks in music theory like Brandon does. Mm. Wow. And we slowly realized that God used Brandon's seizures to mold him into a musician. Brandon grew up, he went to Cal Baptist University, studied music. He went, he toured with Matthew West and Casting Crowns and mm. Shane and Shane and some other people that he, he was able to tour with. Um, and he serves the Lord with his music. He's a worship pastor now. And um He's how old is he? He's 33 years old. My goal was to hear the crowd glory in my son's accomplishments, but God's like, you're going to ruin him. Get out of the way because my goal is for your son to bring the crowd to glory in my son's accomplishments through worship. But if I'd have walked away, what regret I would have had. What Sometimes our trial is not about us. It validates our testimony to our kids and our kids get to see that we really believe what we say believe, even when it doesn't make sense. You know, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm just aware that even without consciously thinking it, you were motivated to not have any regrets. And it just sounds like it just, it kept you going. Yeah. And I want to know from your perspective for that person who's listening right now, may not even realize it, but how do they recognize that they may regret something if they don't have a change in attitude, a change in perspective, a, a newness in their relationship with the Lord. What advice can you give them? You know, I, I just told my dad, my dad's going to be 80 in August. And my dad came to Christ out of his whole family when he came to the Lord. Um, I, I won't tell you about the mess he was raised with, but his life was transformed. I was four years old. I remember my dad being a different person. And I can remember being about maybe 10. I don't remember exactly, but he was trying to do family devotions. He was trying, he was, you know, trying to keep us quiet and trying to do the right thing. Uh, and he said, if any man lacks, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And he talked about Solomon and he talked about wisdom. And he said, if you want wisdom for your life, ask God to give it to you. 
And I just told my dad like last week, I think it was on my birthday, actually. I, that pierced my mind as a child that God was saying, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And I did. And I asked God, give me wisdom as a young child. And there are a lot of times that I was in situations dating the wrong guy, being in a place I shouldn't have been at the wrong time. And the still small voice of the spirit just would nudge. And again, it's that, that's not who you are. That's not what I have for you. That's not who you are. And I'm not saying I'm hearing audible voices. It's that conviction of the spirit that is so in your heart. But I believe you have to ask God to guide you like that. If you've got a relationship with him, the spirit of the most high God indwells you. Jesus said, I'm going to send the helper. And when he sent the helper, the comforter, it's to help us walk the path that he has for us. So asking him, search my heart, show me, and then being willing to adjust our lives to obey it. Cause that's where the rubber meets the road. I know he's not a great guy, but he's going to make a great husband. No, he's not. <laughs> if you're dating him and he's not great now, girl, he ain't going to be great later. There you go. Uh-huh. There you go. Well, I, you know, one thing that sticks out that you're, you know, your dad spoke to you at a young age and, and, and that stuck. And so it's just a reminder mm. that the power of the spoken word and how a seed is planted at no, no matter what the age might be, yeah. that the ears hear it. So be careful how you speak. But Amen. I know that you have so many incredible stories in the books that you've written. Um, is there a favorite story that you want to share about um, the no regrets? You know, I think I'll just continue the one I was just telling with Brandon's seizures. Okay. Uh, we have a son that's 15. He was 15 when he came to our house to become our son. He's a fighter pilot in the Air Force now. He's a lieutenant colonel. Um, he was from a very broken home and needed a family, and God made him ours. And it's a mm. great story. Um, and Meredith was about late junior high or high school when that season came where I was ready to walk away. And then I had a younger daughter named Kayla. So we have four kids. Years later, a decade later, Meredith, my daughter, was married to Jake, and they had both graduated from the Master's University in Southern California, and then Jake was going to seminary. They were living on campus as an RD while he went to seminary, and Meredith was pregnant. Um, She had Karis already. She had had an ectopic pregnancy, lost that baby, Um, and then she got pregnant again with twins. We were super excited. She lost those babies. My youngest daughter, Kayla, got pregnant, lost a baby. My daughters have something called MTHFR, which I'm not going to talk about it. You probably understand, Um, but it causes miscarriages. They also have learned how to not have miscarriages as a result of that. Um, Anyway, So Meredith got pregnant with Ivy. When Ivy was born, after all of those lost babies, we were all just so excited to have another baby born to our family. And as we converged on the the, uh, birthing room, Jake stopped us and he said, something's wrong with Ivy. And we said, and he said, she has facial cranial deformities. We're not sure what's wrong. And we went into the room and they had taken Ivy away from Meredith. Meredith was in the bed. Ivy was over there. Meredith was saying, I want my baby. I want to see my baby. And they were poking at her. And I walked over to Ivy and just sang to her and held her hand. And uh, she got quiet when I sang to her. I sing terribly. So, (laughs) (laughs) and so I sang Jesus loves me to her. And then we all went home kind of like in shock, prayed. We got a phone call that said Ivy flunked her hearing test pray. And so Brandon, who is my musician, he stayed up all night and prayed for Ivy to be able to hear music. Mm. And the next morning we got a text that Ivy passed her hearing test. It was Mm. great. 
And so we left and went home. We're, we're six hours away, four hours away. Came back after a while. Meredith was getting, you know, cleft palate, cleft lip. She couldn't nurse. She had to pump. Ivy's um, had five surgeries. She's six years old. She's a beautiful child now. She's a beautiful child then. And uh, I said, Mayor, how are you doing? And she said, Mom, this is Ivy's trial. And God has invited us to equip Ivy for this trial. Wow. Now stop and back up. What if when my son was having seizures, my teenage daughter saw me walk away from God? Mm. What if my teenage daughter saw me say, I don't believe that God can make good come of this. Mm. I would have had regrets and I would have repented and I would have come back. But at what cost? So that's one of my favorite stories because your trial is not about you. God says his ways are exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. His ways are above ours. His thoughts are above ours as high as the heavens are above the earth. So God's ways are above ours. And he has done an amazing work. Ivy is delightful. She's the little ballerina and she's super smart. And she's, and by the way, we have 13 grandkids and two more on the way. So God has redeemed that. It's been amazing, but our trial is not always about us. Yeah, mm. no, that is such a good word because your daughter would not have have picked that up had you, you know, dropped the ball and yeah. left that. So yeah. the ripple effect of that is huge. More is caught than taught, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're modeling all the time. Mm -hmm. So you you have absolutely one hundred percent convinced you and yourself, uh, you, yourself, you, you and yourself, you, and, you and yourself, and you, myself, and I. <laughs> and those, those around you, it, it almost sounds like you got to live full out. You got to trust God fully. You you don't want to miss the opportunities. Otherwise, you may have regrets. So, in some ways, uh, some of our listeners they're real doers. And they want to get this thing right. Wait, are you talking about yourself? I'm yes, I'm kind of talking about myself. So, so is there a way that Rana, can we become too preoccupied on worrying about not having regrets and thereby sort of stop ourselves or self-sabotage? And we really don't know how to balance that out. Absolutely. We have to realize that when the religious leaders who came to Jesus, who were all about doing it right asked him, what is protos? What is the priority of life? Jesus said that you love the Lord with all your being, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your heart is your emotions. Your soul is who you are, what makes you you. Your mind is with your thoughts and your strength is with what you do. But we so often go, I'm going to love God with what I do. I'm going to prove how much I love God because I'm going to do, 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 do. And God's like, slow down, Skippy. Fall in love with me <laughs> with your emotions. How do I fall in love with someone? I know their character. And God has all through scripture revealed his character so that we can fall in love with him. So we can trust him in my Bible. As I read through the Bible in a year, you know, that plan that you go Old Testament, I write in the margins, God's ways, God's providence, mm -hmm. God's sovereignty. God's ways. Simple way to not what did David do when he fought Goliath, but wow, David just told Saul, I already fought a lion and a bear. God gave me victory over them. I know he can give me victory over this giant. Uh, mom's raising sons to be men. I talk about where was David's mom when he was less than 17 years old fighting a lion and a bear. Thank I would have been you. like, dude, my eyes don't work for you anymore. But God sent the lion and he sent the bear to equip David to fight the giant. Helicopter moms, we're going to rescue him every time. If we want to fall in love with God by knowing his character, the character of God is that he sent the lion and the bear to attack a little boy who was taking care of some sheep for a greater good that would come in another time. So as a mom, when that comes into my kid's life, Brandon's epilepsy, 
why? He's a great kid. Why would God allow this? But the greater good was God had a plan for him. And that was part of his plan to mold him into the, the man that God would have him be. So knowing him, falling in love with him, not focusing on what we don't want to be, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our race and running the race that's set before us, and then surrounding ourselves with other people that run that same race. Um, I tell a story in, um, I don't remember which book it is now. <laughs> My son, Tony, was at AM University in Texas, and he was in the ROTC, the core, and he was ahead of his unit. And there was a woman in the unit that would always lag behind when they would run with their packs on and their guns overhead. And their time would not count until that woman crossed over the line. And the other guys had to do push-ups until she caught up. So it was affecting morale. They were oh, girl, woman, you know, it's Texas. And he uh, had to figure out how to fix it. So Tony said he hung back and he ran in the back of the line with his hand in the small of this woman's back. And he said, as I kept my hand there, she kept in step with the team. But whenever I took my hand away, she fell back and they would all finish keeping their eyes on the goal. They would finish together the race. And there's so many you know, applications to that story. But I want people in my life that when I'm falling behind, they're just going to put their hand in the small of my back and they're going to help me run the race. And I want to be the person when someone's falling behind, that I come alongside of them with my hand in the small of their back. And as we you know, cast off what so easily besets us to run the race that is set before us, you will have no regrets because you will live the life that God put you on planet earth to live. Perfectly, no. Regretful things that you will do, absolutely. But you don't stay stuck in those regrets. You lay them at the feet of Jesus he says, I take your sins as far as east is from the west. I remember them no more. God didn't say north from south because north meets south. He said east from west because it's gone. It never meets. And we can walk in newness of life and we can have that joy that, you know, Nehemiah 8.10 said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. If I'm fighting for joy, even when the trials come, that's the light that shines brightly that gives me opportunity to share my faith with my children, with the people around me. God can entrust me with the message of the gospel if I'm living right in the center of his will for my life. Mm. I, I, I love it. I love it. Mm. And I love the analogy, mm. the story yeah. of Tony putting the hand on her back. And I think about how many people tend to surround themselves with like-minded individuals and they stay stuck, right? Because misery loves company or they stay in that victim place. So um, having a, a, a victor mindset um, means that you need to have courage and be around other victorious, victor-minded mm. people. But you have got so many incredible resources on your website. I just want to share with um, those listening. Um, you have a couple gifts for people. If you sign up for Rhonda's Nurturing Letters to receive, you'll receive a free ebook, and that is The Money Myth. So you talk about all kinds of things, right? Because God is in the in in the middle of everything in our life. And so the money myth, and you can also receive a 35% discount code for Rhonda's audiobook, Moms Raising Sons to Be. And so I love that um, because I think we talked offline. I have a son and he's right now in boot camp in Texas right now for the Space Force. And so he's right now going through uh, next week, I think is Beast Week. So um, this is all hitting home for me, but you've got some incredible resources. And so I, I thank you for um, 
just being courageous and bold and sharing from your heart authentically and having that desire uh, to help other women along and men for that matter, you and your husband, to help them over the hump to that next level of their living and that uh, next season of their life and as God intended. So thank you for all you're doing. Thank you. And I am going to do a summer book club through Moms Raising Sons to Be Men. It's free. Um, It'll be on Facebook and maybe on YouTube if I can stream both at the same time. We'll see if I can do that. Um, But I'll go through a chapter a week. So that's why the audiobook is better because the audiobook, it just got published by Christian Audio in March 2021. Nice. Because you can read the whole audiobook in six hours. Uh, So you can listen to a chapter while you're washing dishes, and then we will just chat about each chapter. If you sign up for my newsletter, I will send out the link to join that uh, as well. Girl, I'm going to hop in. That sounds good for me. So (laughs) if you're listening and it sounds good for you too, hop on in, go to Rhonda Stoppe. It's S-T-O-P-P-E dot com. And uh, bless you, sister. Thank you again yes, for your ministry, you. your heart, and thanks for joining us on you your are, Breakthrough. You are so refreshing and you offer such freedom. And thank you for doing that. Praise the Lord. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thanks. God bless. Wow. What a great, great interview. I mean, I just love Rhonda and everything that she has to share. I, I mean, wow. <laughs> I, I think I say this after everyone because I'm always like, wow. wow. Yeah. Well, there's so, so much fresh. to to take in because it's so yeah. relevant to mm-hmm. all of us every day of our lives. And, and, and the reality is there are all kinds of things in a very, in the practical realm of how we live our daily lives yeah. that if we're not paying attention, we could end up regretting or being, you know, re- regretful for the things that we didn't do or regretful or that we for did the things do. that we did do. <laughs> so you really just take, so just uh, don't move. Don't it, do anything. No, no, I'm just no it, like, and here's wow. the beauty of it. It takes, it takes for recovering perfection. Sorry to cut you off, but wow, yeah. that can, the, uh, no, well, for you. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. As the recovering It has been. Yeah. has been. But regrets. it takes discernment, right, to, to really figure that out. But she really has an intimacy with the Lord. Yeah. And the reason that she is able to trust the Lord is because she knows the Lord. And that's kind of the message that's coming through for me, and I hope for you as well, yeah. that God is trustworthy. So the things you're going through, are you can trust Him to provide what you need, to learn what you need to learn, and to not end up having regrets. And it all takes place by getting intimate with Jesus. Yeah, which is reading God's Word. Yeah. That's how we do it. And hanging out with others who are there. Yeah, that's right. So hang out with us. Hang out with us again on the next episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. And we appreciate you so much. Have an amazing day. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, we love spending time with you right here on Your Biggest Breakthrough Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. But until then, just head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.